Welcome back. This episode of Destiny Benders is coming to you from Denver, Colorado, where I am attending the 74th annual NAFSA conference. In between meetings and sessions, I was able to catch up with a few folks at the expo hall and talk to them about their journey in international education. Take a listen. I'm here with Brittany Wright, Executive Director of Graduate International Enrollment and Advising at the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences at the George Washington University. Wow, that is a long title. Brittany, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. So I'm uh, at NAFSA and talking to a lot of these people who are here for a week of fun and networking and sessions. How's the conference been for you? It's been good. It's been really great to actually connect with people in person again after a very long time. Um, I will say I think it's nicer. It's not as busy as previous NAFSAs because there's about half of the number of attendees. So it's actually allowed us to have much longer and engaging conversations with colleagues. And so that's actually been really, really nice. And I'm enjoying myself. Same here. I concur. So... For the podcast, I really would love to learn a little bit more about how did you get into international education and are doing what you're doing. I know you've been doing this for about a dozen years now, and I've known you that long, but I don't really understand or know about how you got into international admissions. So tell us a little bit about that. I studied abroad in undergrad in Salamanca, Spain, back in 2007, and it was a very pivotal experience for me, and I was getting ready to graduate in 2009, and I was, the job prospects weren't great at that time, given the economy, and I decided to continue on and do my master's in international education, thinking that I wanted to be a study abroad advisor someday, but I would need a master's in order to be even considered for an entry-level study abroad advisor position at that time. And so I went to the George Washington University, got my master's in education, um, specifically in international education, and then I started actually working for GW in their School of Engineering, working primarily with the incoming international students. There was obviously a large surge in international students at that time, and I was hired to work with them through the visa process and the onboarding process, and then I started to do some recruiting, some international recruiting. I was the international credential evaluator, and then from there, I just had some really good opportunities to become uh, more of an international educator. And now here I am 12 years later as executive director. Awesome. I mean, I've seen you work and you do some amazing work and I've enjoyed working with you on, on some of the initiatives in India. I'm assuming when you're growing up and going to school, you didn't think you're going to grow up and be an international educator. So what were you thinking? When you think back to high school, yeah. what was a career that you were thinking that you would do? I actually was an athlete and I thought for sure that I was going to be a professional volleyball player. I determined where I went to college based on where I was recruited to play volleyball. And that was my primary focus. I was actually going to be a teacher so I could coach volleyball. And that's why I went to SUNY Cortland because they had a very good teaching program. 
but I actually decided I wasn't even interested in teaching necessarily before I even started my studies. And I was just a Spanish major. And my mom was like, what are you going to do as a Spanish major? You need to study abroad. So I actually studied abroad in my sophomore year, spring semester, sophomore year. And that was the pivotal point for me where I was like, oh, wait, I'm not going to be a professional volleyball player. What am I going to do with my life? Um, and my parents worked in higher education. And again, I had had such a great study abroad experience. So that's where I had the shift was pretty much in the middle of my undergrad experience. I changed my major to international studies. And from there on, I the rest, re- is, history. The rest is history. Yeah. Um, so along the way, I would imagine there were some people that were very instrumental in either guiding you toward a career or helping you in the career. You know, we talk about destiny benders on this podcast, mm-hmm. people who've come into your life and basically bent your destiny. So can you tell us a little bit about who those people that you look up to, that you fondly remember and thankful that they were in your life? Of course. Um, my academic advisor back in undergrad, a faculty member named Sherrod Stedman, who was an anthropologist at the time, was really crucial and helped me actually make the change into international studies and made it possible for me to still graduate on time. So she was someone still to this day that I keep in contact with. And then I was lucky enough to do an internship while I was doing my master's at GW with Carolyn Donovan White. And she is still one of my mentors to this day. I see her uh, every once in a while. We're able to grab lunch together because I live very close to where she works and where the NAFSA office is. So she still is someone who was very prominent in my career early on. Um, And then probably Adina Love Archer was the person who hired me back at GW in the School of Engineering and and really did provide me with some really good opportunities for me to grow and become a professional in the field. So those are all kind of very three prominent mentors that I've had that I always kind of continuously think as I continue this journey because without their support or the opportunities they provided me, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, Congrats on everything that you've accomplished so far and we wish you the best as you uh, move on with your career. Uh, Before we wrap up here, quick fire question. I know you love traveling to India. Can you tell us what your favorite place to visit in India is and maybe what's your favorite dish to eat? That's really, really hard. One of my favorite cities is Bangalore. And I will say the cheesy dosa at what's on Commercial Street. Woody's. At yes. Woody's. That is still one of the best cheesy dosas I have ever had. I mean, Bangalore is the gold standard. I'm not biased or anything. I, no, definitely but. not. Definitely not. But that is... But there are many things, but that is one that stands out for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brad. I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. You too. I'm here with Jeff Palm, founder of CIS Abroad. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into international education. Sure. Um, I uh, kind of fell into it, worked in the university sector for first part of my career, <clears throat> and then um, was asked to lead a team that did international stuff. So I did international recruitment for years and then uh, met a guy who uh, had a company in Sweden and we launched a branch of it in the U.S. And so I've been doing study abroad programs for 22 years. Exciting. So where do you see the future uh, given that we're coming out of the pandemic? I know we had a lot of challenges. You survived. Where do you go next? 
Um, well, a lot of pent-up demand, which is really interesting and interesting to see. Um, I think the virtual programming that happened during the pandemic will stick around in some form. You know, I think students still want to be face-to-face, but there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, and we're sort of seeing the trend of where education is going, career readiness, career focused, and, you know, more, more uh, students that really want to see what outcomes they can get that will help them in their career. So we're launching programs to help along with that. Awesome. So the podcast is called Destiny Benders. So we talk about people who come into your lives, change your life, or people whose life you've gone into and changed. Can you think of a couple of examples, somebody who really kind of put you on this trajectory or other people in your organization that you helped bend destinies for? Um, well, probably presumptuous to, who, to understand who I've bent, um, but uh, my first business partner, Joachim Frisk, who had started the company uh, in Sweden, you know, he, he saw a lot of potential here in the U.S., so that got us started, so that was great. Another guy, John Stevens, uh, who was an Australian kind of icon, he's since retired, but uh, he helped me a lot in the early days as well. Awesome. Wonderful. Last question. We always do a quick fire at the end of the podcast. What is your favorite book? A Prayer for Owen Meany. Tell me more about that. I read it when I was younger. It was uh, eye-opening. It has has nothing to do with travel or international. Um, But uh, yeah, just when everybody asks me that, and I read it about every two or three years. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Have a great conference. Thanks, Chris. Good to see you. I have with me Florence Lebois, Dean of Global Initiatives at Group IGS from France. Flo? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. Absolutely. Flo, we've known each other for, what, a decade? And I've seen you in multiple roles. But I really don't know how you got into what you're doing right now. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up in international education and what you're doing now. Well, my story is about a 17-year-old girl that just wanted to go to the U.S., absolutely, when it was not very common. And uh, I got a grant from the Rotary International, and I moved to the U.S. when I was 17 and um, spent a year in high school and graduated from a high school in the U.S. Came back to France and said, I want to help. I want to have more students that have the same opportunities. So I started helping through the Rotary International. I built a Rotaract that is called Lyon International. So very international with a lot of international students. And then um, kind of um, always was obvious for me that I would get back to working in international education. So I did um, all kind of different jobs, in, uh, mostly in marketing and communication, where I always had a, an opportunity to do some things around international. And then um, quite a long time ago, when I was maybe 25, 26, I was offered to start recruiting for a culinary school in France and started, it's really when the internet was starting to be popular and famous. So I started to do a lot of international recruitment, which was not exactly my position at the beginning. I was in the domestic recruitment, but I really enjoyed it and started to travel again. And then I became the dean of an international business school that was doing a dual degree between France and the US. So that's where I really started to do even more of international education and started to be very engaged uh, in dual degree building and uh, all kinds of things. And uh, to make a long story short, one day I talked with my family and we all wanted to decide to go abroad and live abroad. And um, I had the opportunity to go back to my high school reunion 
in the US, in the middle of nowhere, in Illinois. And I met by accident the vice president of the university there who offered me a job. So 23 years later, I was back to the same place where I, everything started and I became the international officer there. Wow, that's quite a story. So you came here for high school, then you went back to France and you attended college in France, I'm assuming. While you were a college student, what were your career aspirations? What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a journalist and go around the world to tell the stories about what's happening. Then I wanted to do also international relation and be an ambassador and of course save the world, but it didn't happen. <laughs> well, I don't know if it didn't happen because you are kind of a journalist, right? You travel the world and right now in your job talking about all the things that are happening in France with Group IGS and you're an ambassador. So in a way, you're kind of living those dreams. So that's awesome. When you think back, you know, you mentioned the vice president for a college. I'm assuming you're referring to Rich Dunsworth, our buddy. Other people in your life, when you think back, did somebody or a group of people that you can think of that changed the course of your life, that bent your destiny? Yeah, I think there are plenty of people. But I, I think most importantly for me, it's um, the, the family that comes to international education who you meet every single person that you meet has a different story like what you're doing right now and that make you feel like we are all one special group of persons that want to make a difference what i love the most in my job today and it was the same yesterday and it hopefully will be the same tomorrow is when i convince a student that i've never even owned a passport to go abroad and he comes back to my office and he said, where can I go next? That's my favorite time. It just makes me feel so great and so much more important because that's the only way we're gonna find peace in this world yeah. is when students travel, meet other people, find out that being different is great and yeah. not stupid yeah. and decide that it's gonna be their life. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. So on that same vein, can you think of maybe one student, your favorite memory of a student like that or something similar like that in the course of your work that you really felt like you changed their life by being part of their journey? Well, I, when I was uh, working in Arkansas, yeah. I had a student that uh, was uh, from a very little small island next to Costa Rica and Colombia. And she arrived through um, a church funding, but the church funds were like very, very limited. Yeah. They didn't realize that, you know, being in a, a student in college was very different. And so she went through so many difficult times. She lost her dad in, during her time in college. Everything was very hard. And she never gave up and I helped her hold the way so that she could graduate and finish and go back home with a degree and keep on going and continue and to be successful. And that's she, what she did. She was very successful and called me when she graduated. Sadly, it was during the pandemic, so I couldn't be there, but it was very special. And I really hope that I helped her do what her dream was and make it go through. I'm sure that's one of many stories you could tell us. 
I hope you can stay in touch with her and, and follow her. Her name is Rose. Rose, Rose. yeah. Here's a shout out to Rose. Hope you're doing well, Rose. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, just to kind of wrap up some, something lighter, you travel the world. What's your favorite destination to visit? Or is there a place you want to visit that you haven't had a chance to yet? I think there are plenty of places that I haven't had a chance to visit that are very unique and that I would love to go to. And every time I, I welcome a student from a country I've not been to mm-hmm. and that tell me the story and want to share their country because each student wants always to use, they are so proud of each of their country that I'm like, next time I have a chance, I'll get there. Uh, one of our, my students was showing me all those beautiful pictures ah, yes. and telling me all about this country and I'm like, this is a place where I love to go. And, uh, so there are plenty of places. Sure. Yeah. And then um, I would say that going to a place that I have already been to that I really love to go is usually about people. Yeah. So any place that I had, I have people that I love, I'm always happy to go back to. Awesome. Well, thank you for spending a few minutes with us. Hope the conference was good for you. And I will see you at the next one. I'm here with Ryan Munson and Sam Fleischman from Duolingo English Test. Ryan, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. It's great to be here. Thank you. Quick first, tell us a little bit about how you got into international education. Sam, you go first. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. So international education for me started uh, right when I was a senior in university and I started applying for teaching jobs overseas. And I had a job offer in Suriname and a job offer in Singapore. And I decided I'll go to Singapore. And I spent six years in Singapore as a teacher and a school counselor, all because I wanted to like expand my horizon and at the same time give back to, to young people, K through 12. And you've been at this for a long time. And I know you were on the school side for a while. How long were you totally in school counseling? I was school counseling in Singapore and Hong Kong for 13 and a half years. And then I joined the Duolingo English test uh, because I knew that we could, we could make international education even better. And so that's what we're doing now. Awesome. Ryan? Yeah. So I, uh, like a lot of people, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life after college and uh, came home and started working for a university, a small university in admissions uh, and financial aid. And fell in love. And fell in love really with international admissions. Uh, I did eight years there, and then I was recruited by a small startup back in the day called Zinch, which uh, my brother-in-law and a few other folks that I knew in Utah worked at. And so I came what they what they say the dark side to the vendor side, and I've been here ever since. So I did uh, three years with Zinch and Chegg, and then I came to the Duolingo English test, and have been here for the last six years, just helping international kids with their English proficiency. You said the dark side, but you bring the light, my friend. Well, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> that's very true. I could tell you stories about Ryan, but that's for another podcast. Um, so the podcast is called Destiny Benders. The focus is on talking to people about not just how they got into the field, because a lot of people get into it accidentally, yep. uh, but really about changing people's lives. Like I know you both alluded to how the English test is you know, one of those opportunities to enhance access, all of that. But if you were to reflect on your lives, can you think of people or moments that really just changed your life? Oh, I mean, so, so many have just changed my life. But um, I'll mention when I was graduating from high school, I was going to stay and go to the local community college. And my, my teammate and friend's mother, who never taught me but was in the school, she pulled me aside at graduation and said, Sam, 
don't stay here, you'll get stuck. And I've seen too many good people get stuck. So, so expand your borders, go somewhere, go anywhere, but don't get stuck here. And to me, that's one of the things that has really stuck with me is to not allow people to um, just get stuck in a mindset that doesn't let them expand their own horizons or their own thoughts. And, and then that limits your destiny. Thankful to her, right? Absolutely. If not, we would have never met you. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan? Yeah, I think, I think my biggest life changer goes back to education where I had a student come to me after they had graduated and just thank me and thank me mm. for my knowledge of admissions and my knowledge at the time of financial aid and getting them where they needed to be and how we had changed their life for the better. And it, that was the time that it finally hit me of the impact that you can actually have working in higher ed. Um, and it just made me want to stay in the field for forever. I don't ever want to leave. That's awesome. We're thankful that you guys are both in the field. Good luck. I know you guys are doing some amazing work with the English test enhancing access for students. So keep up the good work and more power to you. Before I, uh, we close, last thing, quick fire question round. What's your favorite food? Ooh, favorite food has to be Italian. Anything Italian. My whole ancestry is all Italian. Uh, we have a spaghetti sauce that is very near and dear to the family. So I, I think I might be banned from the family if I didn't say Italian. Secret recipe? I can't tell you. It's a secret. <laughs> I, I, I feel like Grish is trying to get my password by asking my... Is, are you going to ask my first teacher as well? My mother's, um, my mother's maiden name. name. <laughs> what I security. Yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite food is beef rendang from Indonesia. And the, the beef, you can take the most like tough piece of, of meat. And I mean, not, it doesn't have to be beef. I just prefer beef rendang. And you can just soak it in this coconut curry rendang sauce and it will break it down. And it is, it's the thing I missed most from living in Singapore in terms of food. Awesome. Well, sounds really yummy. Thank you both. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Always good to see you. Always good to see you, Gersh. Thanks, man. I'm here with Randeep Kolar, who is the Institutional Relations Manager at Kappa, the Global Education Network. Randeep, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I've known you for a little bit in other uh, roles, and now you're at Kappa. So tell me a little bit about what you do at Kappa, and more importantly, I'm curious about how you got into international education. So start off with Kappa. I, like you mentioned, I'm an institutional relations manager, and what I do is I handle the relationships, the institutional relationships on the West Coast and the Pacific Northwest. So what that means is any institution, any university, college that wants to send students abroad. Um, we work with them to create custom programs, faculty-led programs, or just off-the-shelf programs, like study abroad programs, basically, in any of our locations abroad, which include London, Barcelona, Dublin, Florence, um, Sydney, and then now Paris and Prague. Um, so that's kind of this is the space I'm in. Um, very much, you know, relationship-focused. In terms of how I got on, into the field of study abroad, I fell into the field. I was not, it was not something that was intentional. I never studied abroad myself. Um, in fact, I was one of those first-generation college kids whose parents were like, we don't have any money for this. You know, culturally, it's not something that women would do in the in, as an Indian. Like, it's not something that was very common. Um, I got my degree in history with a minor in education. I wanted to be a lawyer for a really long time. Um, decided that wasn't the path for me. When I was in college, I was working with students and uh, faculty um, doing uh, conduct management. Uh, and misconduct, really, not misconduct. And uh, I found out that one of my supervisors had a degree in counseling and higher education. And I really was like, this is pretty awesome, and this is, I enjoy this work. So I went on to get my master's in counseling with the focus in higher education and career counseling. And then my first job after grad school was working at UC Berkeley, 
and their summer sessions office. And coincidentally, their summer sessions office had study abroad programming. And um, I was actually on the, I was running freshman transfer programs, helping students transition to um, college and doing career counseling. But because of my career counseling background, my supervisor tapped me to create a global internship program. And so she really wanted to expand the experiential piece of study abroad. And again, I hadn't studied abroad. I'd gone abroad as an eight-year-old once to India, you know, to go back home, so to speak. Um, but the career piece and the, the counseling background is what, you know, had gave my supervisor the faith and the hope that I could be able to launch this program, and I did. So I was there for eight years and just literally fell into study abroad. It was literally, like, handed to me as an opportunity, learn the field, learn the industry, and, you know, was doing internships for eight years at Cal, building up the programming, supporting students to, you know, think about their career goals and how international education pays into that. And then I transitioned to the provider side and now have been working with institutions to help them connect career and study abroad um, in that international space. Awesome. That sounds like a really interesting path. So you mentioned you're Indian American and you did your undergraduate degree in history. That's very, um, how would I say, unique for Indian American <laughs> students to, so. very much so. I, I'm kind of curious what your family's reaction was when you said, hey, I'm going to go study history. Well, my mom, well, I said law. Yeah, so so it's like so history, history was, it is a natural track for law. It's like poli-sci, right? So my mom was like, yeah, it's cool. Do whatever you want. Ironically, I wanted to be a doctor growing up. Course. And <laughs> when I hit high school, I decided I did not want to do you know that because I didn't like science. And my entire family was like, you know, Rainy, which is my nickname. They're like, Rainy, if, if you can't be a doctor, then we have no hope for anybody else in the family <laughs> for becoming a doctor. No pressure, right? No pressure. Um, but luckily, my mother was very much like, as long as you go to school, I don't really care as much. It was more the extended family that had the pressure of be a doctor, be a lawyer and whatnot. Um, my mom was like, as long as you have an education, because she herself couldn't, didn't have the opportunity to finish college. She got married at 19. Um, so for her, it was like, just go to school. I was on scholarship, so she was very excited about that. She was excited I was getting my master's. So it's kind of like, okay, you're in school. It's great. I don't even think my mom fully understands what I even do. Like, it's more like, oh, yeah, she works with kids. Um, a lot of our parents don't really understand no, what we do. No. Uh, but that's cool, though. So from being wanting to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, now in international education, that's yeah. awesome. You mentioned you fell into this, or it was literally handed to you. And if you look back, and as we talk about destiny benders in the podcast, we talk about people who come into your lives and change your destiny, destiny change your lives. Can you think back to your own career and think about people who came into your life that kind of created that path for you? I mean, I think my first supervisor at my first internship, to be honest, um, I didn't even know higher education was a path, right? We don't, it's exposure, right? We're not exposed to these paths. What we know about is doctor, lawyer, you know, teacher, like the very engineer, the very stereotypical paths because that's what we're exposed to. Um, When you go to a university, you're not looking around at the counselors and the faculty thinking this is a career option for me, right? And so if my supervisor hadn't just dropped like oh yeah I have my master's in higher education in a random conversation I had with her I don't know where I would have ended up it was literally a random comment that was made and that's what caught me on the path of looking at counseling programs and higher education I was like oh I didn't realize this is an option um and I fell into a path that I love I'm a counselor and I even in my international education space right I'm a counselor like at, at the core of who I am 
and student-centered, student-focused, regardless of what side I'm on. And it was because of that one comment. And also opportunities that have come to me since then, right? So my supervisor at Berkeley, seeing the career strengths that I had and connecting that to the internship space and the international side. Um, after that, like I've had mentors who have, like when I was confused about what's next for me after Berkeley, what do I, I thought about tech for a while. I thought about leaving education for a while. Like I was confused after eight years of not like, I was like, there was nowhere for me to go in terms of growth, right? And I've had mentors who have been like, oh, there's these opportunities on the provider side. Because I was only at the university. I had no idea the provider side. I mean, I knew it worked and it existed. I worked with providers for the entire eight years I was there. But working on the provider side was not something that I would have ever thought about, right? And then when I started working for them, I'm like, oh, wow, this is a whole different world that I did not know that didn't exist. Like, the access that I've had to conferences like NAPSA and, like, uh, professional development opportunities because the funding opportunities are different. Um, those are, have all been individuals that have come into my life to really give me exposure and access to these opportunities. I mean, I've worked hard for them, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've recognized the talent yeah. and the potential. And they've guided me in a way that's, you know, gotten to me where I am. Yeah. It's awesome. And you've mentioned you're a counselor at heart. And in the work that you do, I'm sure you've helped a lot of students kind of figure out what they want to do, whether it's a specific study abroad program or where to go or whatnot. Can you think of maybe one such student where your role in their life, your you know, work helped them and maybe you're still in touch with them and they've done some amazing things and it's all because of you? That's a tough question. All because of me? I, Maybe I would, not all because of you, but you know, like a mentor's in your life, you've been a mentor to somebody that you can look back and say, wow, I remember that one student who was lost and I was so happy I could be their destiny bender. There was a student, another student worker who came to us and had no idea what she was actually going to be doing. She was like my star pupil. Like, had studied abroad, was on top of her game. She's one of those people that you give all the work to because you know she's going to get it done. And, you know, it, it, yeah, she was, she was a superstar, and she didn't know what she wanted to do and, and what space she wanted to go into, but the access to the environment, the access, the mentoring, the, the job that she did, and then all the conversations that we had, right, just random conversations about life and difficulties, and, you know, it's just a lot of it, honestly, that's like, I think for me, counseling is, is such a key to the work that I do. It's like, people come to you with their issues and a lot of deciding about what's next for you is not about what the actual career path is. It's like, I'm having these issues with my boyfriend. I'm having these issues with my mom and dad. I'm having this mental health crisis. I don't know how to navigate that to even be able to get to the point of making a career decision, right? So a lot of the work that we did together actually was around that piece, being supported and feeling like she had the skills and the abilities to be able to navigate this career path. Um, and she w became an advisor at her office. Um, but ironically enough, now after she was there for a while, she works at Pixar now. So she completely wow. transitioned out. That's awesome. So she like went on this amazing journey to find out where her strengths were, what her goals were. And the entire time we I was talking to her, like, you don't need to stay here. Like, explore, you know, it, like be an advisor for a year or yeah. so. And if you like it, great. And if you don't like it, then move on to something different. Yeah. There's you don't have to stick to what you're doing, right? There's so many opportunities out there. Awesome. Sounds like you love what you do. And I've known you for a few years, and I've watched you do a lot of good things. And I wish you the best of luck and as you continue to now in your new role with Kappa. But before I let you go, I know you're a huge movie buff. What's your favorite movie and why? That's a, you can't ask that question. That's a horrible question. That's I like just asked the question. Favorite movie and why? The first movie that comes to mind is The Departed. Okay, there you go. Why? I'm a big Martin Scorsese fan. I'm a big Leo fan. That movie has 
I mean, it was nominated. Like, you can't say no to that movie. Not that I watched that movie repeatedly. It's not one of those movies. Um, but it's just the cast, the story. Like, everything was amazing. The direction, like, cinematography, amazing. Oh, recently, uh, Dune. Okay. Dune was a gorgeous film. It's only the first part. But yes, I won't, I won't go into that. Obviously, the geek in me is coming out, but we'll, we can, we'll, leave, it, we'll leave it there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Enjoy the rest of the conference, and it's always good to see you. Thank you. And that's a wrap at NAFSA. Almost after three years, it was great to see so many of our colleagues from around the world, and particularly for me to meet some of our guests that I've not had a chance to meet in person before. From Denver, Colorado, Girish Palola, ESPN. Just kidding. I've always wanted to say that. Jessica and I'll be back with the new episode on Wednesday. Thank you.